Believe me, I tied my own shoes once. It is an overrated experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Saltwater Coffee Podcast for another Random Musings, number 16. All right, so I have a few updates to give here, not too many. Most of them are kind of technology-related because I'm updating my setup and all that, so that would be kind of interesting to talk about. But first of all, I will say that uh, I've been shot again. Yes. Well, I... Uh, what I mean is that I finally got my updated, you know, bivalent COVID booster and all that. So I've been feeling a little bit off for the past couple of days, you know. And yeah, thankfully, I mean, it seems like the side effects of the vaccine are becoming less and less and less, right? So mostly it just like it feels like my skin, like around my face and neck is just really sensitive, you know, like my nerves are kind of real sensitive. Yeah, I get a little bit of, you know, kind of muscle soreness, a little bit of stiffness. There was more stiffness this time than soreness. And of course, it's sore around the injection site. But yeah, I finally uh, got that, you know, and the reason why I've waited this long to get it is because, right, I had I got COVID back in November. So they say you have some degree of immunity from that infection. So, you know, I, I decided, okay, wait a few months and then get the booster. So yeah, ironically, you know, I've I think I mentioned it. Ironically, I was actually scheduled to get my updated booster, but I got COVID literally just before that happened. So yeah, had to cancel that and reschedule. <laughs> then I got the flu in late December and that was, you know, fun too. But anyway, so I'm all up to date on my shots. You know, I got my flu vaccine, got my COVID vaccine, yada, yada, yada. So yeah, I mean, uh, there's that, you know, and looking at the numbers, you know, it seems like uh, things are really flattened out now. We were expecting a big winter surge of COVID, which didn't really happen. Of course, you know, I'm not here to discuss uh, medical news or whatever, you know, and you know, just, uh, the, the pandemic is not over. And, and in many ways, you know, I think a lot of people are right in saying that COVID is basically endemic. We're not going to get rid of it. Right. So we just got to learn to live with it. And them's the breaks. Right. So if it means you have to mask, then mask, right? If it means you have to social distance, then do it, you know? It isn't friggin' rocket science, people, so simple things like that, right? So I feel like a real big boy now. <laughs> Speaking of which, other health news, um, I have not gotten as much exercise lately as I usually do, and mostly it's because of the weather. If you don't know, Oregon is kind of known for its cold, rainy winters. And yeah, that tends to put a damper on doing outside activities. And I try to do, ideally, or at the bare minimum, I should say, at least 30 minutes of exercise a day, but I don't like running or walking out in the cold or the rain. So that basically leaves me relegated to doing my exercise indoors. So I kind of like jog or walk in place indoors, which is not terribly amusing or interesting. I mean, the upshot is I could just like put on a TV show or something, you know, watch Hulu or whatever, watch an episode of a show while I'm doing that, right? So I guess that's kind of nice, but you know, I hate treadmills. I hate walking in place and running in place because you run and run, run and run and you never go anywhere. So <laughs> I do actually prefer doing my exercise outdoors, even if uh, I'm just like going around a track or going around the neighborhood or whatever. But apart from that, I also do calisthenics and I also have a, a bike trainer, you know, that props the back wheel of your bike up. So it turns it into a stationary bike. So I have that. 
And I use just body weight exercises. I like using body weight exercises because all you need is just yourself. Push-ups, sit-ups, that sort of thing, you know, burpees, whatever. I'm not into paying money for gym memberships. Um, I basically spent some money. I have like a set of dumbbells, uh, a couple of yoga mats, some foam rollers, and of course, like I said, the bike trainer, but that's really all I spend money on, right? And once you have it, you have it, you can keep it. So everything else you have is already on you. They're your arms, your legs, and your muscles, and your, your will to succeed or get swole or whatever. <laughs> So ideally, and what I'm trying to get back into is a sort of normal weekly exercise routine, weather and time permitting. Now, what I've built up over the past couple of years is this routine where I exercise every day. Now, every day I'll, I'll aim for about 100 push-ups and 50 sit-ups. I, I guess I could probably increase the sit-ups, but yeah, I don't do these all at once. Like I spread them out, do like, you know, maybe like, you know, three sets of 30 or maybe like, a, you know, 25 here and 25 there and so on and so forth. You know, I, I break the push-ups up so I'm not just doing 100 all at once. And I usually break the sit-ups up into like, you know, sets of 25. So that's pretty easy. So that happens every single day, Monday through Sunday. Then usually on my weekends is when I do my runs. And Sundays is usually my 5K, my three-mile run, or technically five kilometers is like 3.16 miles or thereabouts. But yeah, Sundays is my three-mile run, and Saturdays is my two-mile run. As well, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I try to do a two-mile run. And then Mondays and Fridays are four-mile walks. And then right in the middle, we have Wednesday, which is usually 30 minutes on the bike. Yeah, that's ideally uh, what I do for my exercise routine every week. I'm not training for anything. I'm just doing it for fitness. So Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, and Saturdays are usually my run days, right? Weather permitting. And then Mondays, Fridays are walking, and Wednesdays is 30 minutes on a bike. And even at that, I mean, like, um, I'm not terribly fast when I run. Mostly I'm just jogging, really. And basically, I, you know, I don't just, like, run and then stop and then you know, come home, right? I usually, you know, I walk for usually two miles as a cool down after my runs. So, right, on Sundays, I'm getting like five miles in, right? Three mile run and two miles of walking. And, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, I'm doing about four miles. So two mile run, two mile walk. That's usually how I do it. And Saturdays as well. So that's basically my exercise routine, you know? I mean, I, I guess I should, I should add more core training in there, to be honest, right? kind of get better you know my I don't really have a six pack anymore it's turned into six flabs I have gained a little uh gained a little uh some dimensions around the midriff here you know so <laughs> yeah I need to work on that and of course you know change change diet right not eat not eat so much crap so there's that and that's one thing I, I do need to you know exercise some discipline in is better diet better eating anyway so that's some fitness news for you in other news, I saved up a whole bunch of money. I bought two big electronic purchases. One is I have upgraded from my old Surface Pro 3 tablet, which was basically a dinosaur. I think I got that back in 2014 or thereabouts when they were fairly new, when they were like the new model. But of course now, I mean, like <laughs> that thing is like nine years old. So yeah, I've, I've been wanting to upgrade from a tablet or from a Surface Pro tablet. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to a laptop, just a thin laptop. And so I did some research and I ultimately decided on getting a Surface Laptop 4. One thing I noticed, particularly with my Surface Pro 3, given that it's so old, I think it 
just watching like YouTube videos on it makes it slow down. So, and I think what's happening is when I would do something as simple as like watching YouTube, I would feel the back of that thing and it would really be heating up. Now, I guess the, the surface devices, the laptops, the, the pros, the whatever, you know, they do tend to get kind of warm. So that is kind of normal, but it is within, you know, a, a tolerable range for the device. But I think what was happening with my Pro 3 was that it was heating up so much and the CPU was throttling. So yeah, I ended up buying a Surface Laptop 4, which was released uh, in 2021. So yeah, I mean, there is the newer Laptop 5 version, but from doing my research and watching reviews and seeing how people, you know, what people think of it, right? The Surface Laptop 5 isn't really much of an upgrade from the 4 because it doesn't really add a whole lot more for the money, for, for what you're paying for it, for the extra increase in price, you know, I mean, it's becoming like, you know, iPhones or, you know, whatever, you know, every year they got to release a new thing, you know, so I mean, the, the increase in price for the new brand new model, the new annual model or whatever, you kind of have to justify that price increase. And the laptop five doesn't really justify it, right? I mean, it, it adds like a new port, it actually gets rid of a USB A port, so, yeah, I mean, it does some things that people said just don't really justify the cost of it. And people just who reviewed it said, like, if, you know, if you use some older technology, if you're fine with an older model, just go for a laptop four instead. So and you'll get it for a little bit less. Plus, the laptop four was the last version of the Surface laptops that you could get with AMD processors, which are, for one thing, cheaper. Now, I'm not really brand loyal to AMD or Intel or whatever, right? I just kind of choose whatever is kind of convenient or, yeah, I mean, I do take into account certain um, qualitative um, aspects of those things. But I mean, my desktop currently is running an AMD processor. And I mean, they are cheaper compared to Intel. And, you know, it, I mean, it's the classic, you know, competitor. Which one is better? You know, maybe further on down the road, I'll buy a computer with an Intel processor, you know. Maybe another one will be with an AMD processor. Who knows, right? I, I'm, I'm not really brand loyal to the processor, but... So anyway, yeah, I mean, for a little bit cheaper and to do the same stuff, I just got it with an AMD processor. And because I'm really only using my laptop for just real basic productivity tasks, then I don't need it to be terribly powerful. So basically, I'm just, you know, using it for entertainment, watching YouTube, I do some web browsing, you know, Maybe being on like a, a Zoom call or whatever, you know, uh, it's got a decent webcam so I can use it for that and all that. So, yeah, I, I just don't need it to be real, this big, beefy gaming machine. And like I said, you know, the, the Laptop 4 is the last model that you can get with an USB-A port. And I still do occasionally use flash drives. Yes, you know, those little stick drives, as well as other technology that does have that type of connector. Now, if you're curious about the specs of it, I got the 13.5 inch screen. They also come in as a 15 inch screen, but I didn't need anything that big. And it has an AMD Ryzen 5 4680U processor, 16 gigabytes of RAM. I was thinking about going for the eight gigabytes of RAM. It would have been a little bit cheaper, but I mean, eh, I don't know. I mean, eight gigabytes is, is probably sufficient for whatever I'm gonna do with this thing, you know, which isn't much. But 16 gigabytes is who knows how technology will change. It might require more RAM in the future. So it's a little bit of a, you know, headroom there. And finally, it has 256 gigabytes of SSD. That's basically uh, what I do. You know, 
I don't need a whole lot of storage space on it because most of the stuff I'm doing, I just do on Google Docs or whatever, you know, use the Google suite. So I'm not using it for gaming or anything, but I just wanted to upgrade my portable device. Additionally, the other part of the money, the other device that I was saving up for is I upgraded my audio interface, my suite, and I got a Rodecaster Pro 2. Now, prior to this, I was using a Zoom PodTrack P4, which was doing fine, but I really wanted something with onboard audio processing and a bunch of other features. Now, I mean, like, in a way, you almost cannot even compare the Zoom PodTrack P4 to the Rodecaster Pro 2. I mean, I mean, yes, they both function as audio interfaces, but the, the Rodecaster Pro 2 is, has far more features and is designed for many, many different, you know, types of people who would use the device. You know, maybe you're a musician. I'm not a musician. I don't play guitar or anything like that. So yeah, you know, podcasters can use it, you know, gamers can use it and all that and so on and so forth, you know, streamers. And, but mostly I just wanted a lot of the onboard audio processing and various other features. I have used a couple of Zoom audio products in the past and I've always found them to be fairly limited and fairly bare bones when they come to features. Like I used to use a Zoom H2N microphone, which was, you know, a condenser mic, really sensitive, you know, good enough for like in the field recording or whatever. But of course, you know, my, my knowledge of audio and audio products and things like that has increased, you know, in the past couple of years. And I'm learning how to get better audio quality with the devices that I currently have. So currently, right, I have a Zoom, uh, a Rode, not a Zoom, a Rode pod mic. Yeah, I mean, it's, it works fine. But, um, you know, one thing that's nice is that it's another Rode product. So and the Rodecaster Pro 2, I'm just going to refer to it as the Pro 2, has a number of presets for a number of its microphones. So, I mean, the pod mic and the Pro 2 is designed to work, you know, uh, very synergistically with each other, you might say. And they have other presets for other popular microphones as well, even non Rode microphones. Anyway, like I was saying, um, a lot of the Zoom products that I've used are pretty bare when it comes to features. Like, Zoom very rarely releases any firmware updates for their products, and when they do, they're just like minor little bug fixes. But Rode, on the other hand, will release firmware updates for its products with new features, often based on user input. So if a lot of users you know, contact Rode and say like, hey, we want this feature in the next firmware update, they can probably make that happen. So I know the original Rodecaster Pro 1, that had a major update to like two point something, and it included a bunch of new features. So anyway, so I was just doing research, you know, oh, should I get the Rodecaster Pro 1 or the Pro 2? And ultimately, I went with the Pro 2 because people said like, well, I mean, if, if you've never used this product and if you don't have the Pro 1 then you know just go with the Pro 2. So my hope is that the Rodecaster Pro 2 you know with its onboard processing and all that will really streamline my workflow a bit and I've been using it for the past like week or so and I've been getting to know it a little bit more and understanding how it works and that's really and I'll come back to this point in a little bit but that's really a lot of a lot of you know how you can go about these things is when you get a new piece of equipment learn it right Try to learn it upside down, inside out, all around, you know, and become proficient with it, you know. So the audio processing with this thing is occurring in real time. So hopefully, you know, I won't have to do as so much audio processing in post-production. And what I mean by that is like when I'm using the Zoom PodTrack P4, 
it has like one or two audio processors in it, right? It has a limiter and a low cut filter, also known as a high pass filter. But anything else you wanna do with the audio to improve it, you need to do it in your digital audio workstation, your DAW. So in my case, I use Audacity, which I'm still using, because for one thing it's free and it has a lot of features for that price. <laughs> so I mean, Audacity works perfectly well for me as an audio workstation, and I just need the interface. If I were to record this with my Zoom, then you know I'd be recording it through Zoom as the audio interface and into Audacity, and then I would need to go through Audacity and do all this processing of the audio, apply noise reduction, apply the compressor, the equalizer, the noise gate, the de-esser, the normalization, and so on, right? But the Rodecaster Pro 2 contains almost all of those functions, with the exception of like noise reduction and normalization. But it cuts out a lot of the steps from the Audacity workflow because the audio is already processed coming out of the interface and going into Audacity. So really all I need to do, I mean, I've got it so like there's pretty much no need for any noise reduction. And all I really need to do to further process the audio in Audacity is just apply normalization. I imagine there's, there might be some way to do that in the Pro 2. I don't know. Again, I'm still learning it. So, I mean, the audio is already processed. And like I said, the audio in the Pro 2 is processed in real time. For example, like if I were setting up something like the noise gate in Audacity, then I would record the sound to Audacity. And then I'd have to go to the Audacity menu to the noise gate and then kind of fiddle it with it where I want it, you know, oh, maybe it's not where I want it. Then I have to like, oh, undo that, go back in to the menu, try it again, fiddle with the settings a bit more, right? And see how it sounds, right? No, oh, maybe I'm, eh, it's a little bit closer, you know? So I have to go back and forth throughout these menus in Audacity to apply something like a noise gate, you know? But the nice thing about the Pro 2 is that, like I said, it happens in real time. And plus you get visual and audio feedback immediately about how you sound and how this thing is working. So it's, it's very good for people like me who learn well visually, and I can see how it's applying like the noise gate and tweak it very quickly. That's what's really nice is that it's really user-friendly. So if I were to go into this thing, right, and I can go into the processing. So right now you're hearing it with all the processors engaged, right, on, and I can turn them off right now. And this is what it sounds like without any audio of the audio processors working in real time. And I'm sure if you listen in the background, you might hear some other noise. You might hear the kind of a, the whirring of the fans. It's raining outside. You might hear the rain dripping off my roof. You know, I noticed that when I just speak into the unprocessed audio right now, I mean, it sounds okay, but you know, it, there's not that bassiness to my voice. You know, my voice does not sound very full. So it doesn't sound like a nice, you know, broadcast would, like if you listen to the radio. Now, if I turn the processing back on, now you can hear all of the processors working, right? The bass is boosted, you know, there's more gain in it. It sounds nicer, it sounds cleaner. If I stop talking, So I just stopped talking there and the noise gate kicked in, right? And it cuts out all the background noise. So it's really nice. Now, from my understanding, the uh, road bought the, the company Aphex, which was well known for making a lot, of, a lot of like audio equipment and they make audio processors and all that. So 
the engineers for Aphex, they went back with the Pro 2 and they rebuilt the audio processors from the ground up. I mean, they were used in the uh, Pro 1, but from my understanding, they left a little something to be desired. I mean, they worked, but they could have been better. And a lot of people saying like, oh, we want better audio processing in the Pro 2. And so, you know, the Aphex went back and redid those audio processors basically from the ground up. They are the same, like in name only, but they redid them, and so you have better control over them. They're more robust, and they're more there are more features. There are more audio processors in them anyway, so the Pro 2 is has nicer features in terms of the audio processors. Rode also did the redid the preamps. They call them revolution preamps. So microphones that are notoriously gain hungry can now be plugged in without any need for a booster like a cloud lifter or a fet head which was often required for the Pro 1. In fact, YouTubers like Tom Buck did tests and found that if you were to use one of those boosters with your microphone in the Pro 2, it actually introduces just a tiny bit of noise to the signal. So when they say with the Rodecaster Pro 2, you don't need any mic booster, that's true. You do not need a mic booster. <laughs> so if you're using the, the famous Shure SM7B, which famously needs you know a good boost to its signal, you don't need it. For comparison, the Zoom PodTrack P4 gives about 70 decibels of gain to the microphone signal, and the Rodecaster Pro 2 gives like 76 decibels of gain. So for either of those devices, that's actually fairly impressive, and it's very clean. Anyway, so that's another nice thing. Now, uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, the, the Zoom PodTrack P4, right, for what it does, it's very capable. And in my case, I'm going to hold on to my Zoom you know, keep it in the event that I need something more portable to record from, right? Maybe I don't want to lug around the, uh, you know, the, the Rodecaster Pro 2 somewhere if I'm switching to go record somewhere else or whatever, but yeah. But anyway, yeah, this will become my main audio interface, but I'll keep the zoom around because I mean, it, it still works perfectly fine, you know? Now, I will say there are a couple of annoyances I have with this thing, and they're mostly physical, again, because I'm not an audio engineer. I'm very much a beginner. I'm very much learning, and I'm learning what better audio sounds like and how to get better audio from myself. So it's a learning process, right? We all got to start somewhere, and, you know, I'm just like anyone else. Now, one of the annoying things I will say about the Pro 2 is that the, it doesn't have a plastic cover. I mean, there, you can get a plastic cover for this device, but you need to buy it separately. It doesn't come with it. And this plastic cover that you need to buy for it costs like $50 thereabouts. It's like, why? Why doesn't it come with this device already? I guess it's another way for Rode to just milk more money out of this thing. But, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you need to buy the cover. If you want, if you want the cover, you're going to have to buy it separately, you know, and it's a $50 piece of plastic. It's like you already paid $700 for this damn thing. Shouldn't it just kind of come with the cover? It's like a luxury item, basically. So why is that piece of plastic so expensive? And it's so expensive. And why doesn't it come with it? I guess, truth be told, I mean, there's almost no reason to spend $50 for the cover. I mean, it would not be hard to just fashion a makeshift cover for this thing. You know, just take a piece of cardboard cut it to the appropriate dimensions, maybe fold the edges and just place it over it when you don't, when you're not using it. Or maybe just take something as simple as like a cloth and put it over the thing when I'm not using it. You don't need the official Rodecaster Pro 2 plastic cover on this thing. You know, who says you need to spend 50 bucks on it? You can just make one of your own. Easy. 
So I might go ahead and do that. <laughs> Another annoying thing I'd say is that the headphone jacks on this thing require a quarter inch adapter. It does not come with this adapter. So I had to go and buy one. Yeah, because I mean, most headphones that I've seen, you know, most headphones that I've used, at least in the modern, in this modern day and age, have your standard kind of 3.5 millimeter jack. I mean, you can't plug it in to the Pro 2, you know, you need to go out and get a 3.5 millimeter to quarter inch adapter. Um, yeah, the last time I think I even saw a quarter inch adapter was when I had my stereo back in like 1995 or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. Another thing is that all of the, the jacks, you know, it, it, in a way it's kind of nice, but all of the jacks are in the back of the device. Like there's no headphone jack directly in the front. I'm listening to this. I'm monitoring the sound on my headphones right now. But, you know, my, my headphone cord is like snaking to the back of the device. You know, I wish like I kind of wish that, you know, at least it included maybe the possibility of like a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack and at least one of those in the front. Because this is just a one man show. I don't have any uh, guests with me now. So anyway, it, it, that, that's a really minor point, you know, but anyway. And luckily, the adapter isn't expensive. So, you know, it just costs a few dollars. It is worth saying that, you know, just because I spent all this money on this thing, you know, $700 on this thing, I don't really expect the sound of this podcast or my voice to really drastically improve. Although I will say it does sound better. But I just think that the, the Pro 2 is a bit more user friendly due to the way it works, you know, due to, the, due to the way it's designed, the way it's laid out. I like the functionality of it. I like the touchscreen on it, the knobs and the faders and all that, the smart pads and so on and so forth. So I think the design of the product is really user-friendly. It's very easy to learn. And if you take some time and learn how to work with this thing in detail, then you will become better. Just having this thing, you know, just because you spent a lot of money on an expensive something rather doesn't make you an expert, right? And that's true for anything, right? Simply owning a guitar does not automatically make you some brilliant guitarist, right? Just because I bought this thing and I spent a lot of money on it doesn't really mean I'm going to be this incredible podcaster. But it is a step, I think, towards having a very fully featured device and one that will have some uh, staying power, if you will, you know, some longevity to it, right? So I bought this thing and I don't expect to replace it anytime soon, not within the next couple of years, you know, at, at the, at the minimum, I think this thing is going to have a long life. Of course, you know, until someone comes out with perhaps something better or whatever, a road comes out with the pro three or I don't know, you know, this thing is not cheap, but if you, if I take care of it and if I learn the ins and outs of it and how it works and how to use it properly, then I think, you know, it, it's a learning process. And I think uh, in a lot of ways, you know, it is improving my sound, right? Not astronomically improving it, but it does make it sound better. But mostly I think it's just, it's really nice to have a, a device that is very user-friendly. That's my take on that. Finally, in some last news, a little bit of a gaming news. Command Modern Operations recently updated, like a month or two ago, and it was a pretty big update, although ironically, they call it the tiny update, but it's a, it's a major update for the uh, the game, for the simulation. So I'm spending some time learning, you know, kind of relearning in some ways how to play Command Modern Operations, use the uh, the advanced multi 
domain strike planner and all that. So hopefully I'll get back into doing more um, war games and simulations with that thing as I learn it more, how to reuse it and use it more effectively. Also, I have uh, recently finished uh, recording and uploading my uh, Let's Play for Homeworld 2, and I'll be starting on Homeworld Deserts of Karak very soon. That is the plan for that. So that's basically all the news I have for this particular random musings. So I will see everyone next time.